0: Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Many of you have heard in the recent years about the buzz around concussions and brain injuries. The research is telling us, evidence is telling us that many times the things that happen to our bodies especially around our brains, can't be seen from the outside, but it has a dramatic effect on the inside. It's dynamically affected how sports, specifically contact sports like football, soccer, wrestling, golf. are. See, you've never been golfing with me before. Um, if, you're, if you're anywhere near the tee box with me, it's a contact sport. <laughs> you better watch your head. Um, because it could be a ball or a club that's coming at you, but, but seriously, we've learned that the way that we view, the way we coach, the way we train for these sports has been impacted by the power and the dramatic impacts of concussions. And, and you've seen the stories, you've heard how it's changed the NFL, and, and so I just wanted to share with you a personal story uh, in this area as we open today, talking about something that I believe affects all of us in this room. Uh, on the 4th of July, we have the opportunity, my, my, my wife... Her brother just built a cabin a couple of years ago on Lake Compesca in Watertown. And so we've made it a family tradition. Well, they've made it a family tradition for us to come to their place. They're very generous to let us come and kind of take the place over for a few days. And we were there on the 4th of July. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it seems like this summer we've been getting quite a bit of rain. Maybe you've noticed that. Um, it seems like it's always raining. And so, of course, Lake Compesca is, is swelled to its capacity. And to protect the lots on Lake Compesca, they build these well, it's kind of like this stage, actually. It's, it's a concrete seawall, and it keeps the waves from eating away the shoreline. And so um, Heath and their family built this large seawall, and the neighbors right next to it have a seawall that's built, and it's, got, it's all concrete, and it's got a 45-degree slope on it. Now, now, when I'm with our family, I get to play Uncle John, and so I have several nieces and nephews, uh, one of which is 15, and she had all of her uh, friends were there, and they wanted to go out on that huge floaty island thing Have you guys seen those, those big floaty type island things? And so, Uncle John, would you help take it out there? And I was like, oh, of course. So I went and got Troy, our our friend, and and Troy jumped in the water very smartly, and I didn't. And I'm carrying the the big floaty island. It's probably, I don't know, 10 feet around. And I'm coming over to the seawall, and I thought instead of jumping in the water, I'll just walk down the side of this 45-degree slope seawall. Well, as you can imagine, the lake has been pushing up against it, and there's about a quarter-inch of green slime on this angle. And I'm, I'm overly confident about my athletic ability, and so I figured, well, it'll be no problem. You know, I'll just step on there and jump right in. Well, as I was stepping onto the seawall, Troy yells, watch out, John, It's slip!" And there I was. Before I knew it, uh, I was in the water on my back, Luckily, my rear end broke my fall, which absorbed quite a bit of the concussion. Then my back hit, and then my head whipped and cracked on the concrete. And of course, right away, Troy's like, are you okay, are you okay? (laughs) To myself, well, not really. (laughs) I've got a terribly bruised ego right now, because there's 40 people standing on the beach, all gasping, (gasps) is the concrete gonna be okay? (laughs) <laughs> so I, I, I responded, yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to survive. But I, I could feel the, the bruise on my head. And luckily it was minimized. But So if I doze off today or I fall over, um, if something happens, if you suddenly lose track of where I'm going, you'll understand that it's a hidden wound. It's the effect of a brain bruise. Now, why do I share all that? You're probably wondering. And the reason I share it is because in my life, I've taken a number of shots to the head, to the knee, uh, to the back, to the heart. I've taken a number of shots. And wouldn't you agree that we've all taken some shots? Is there anybody here today that would agree over the course of their life they've taken some pretty unexpected and difficult hits? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it might not be obvious looking at the outside. When you take time to reflect on the inside, Those injuries, they hurt, they leave scars. There's collateral damage. We've all been sideswiped in life. In fact, some of the most significant injuries that we sustain can't be identified from the outside. Although there's no external evidence, there is internal trauma that's going on. And it's these hidden wounds that we're gonna be talking about today, and I'm not just talking about the physical ones. I'm talking about the emotional ones the painful memories of rejection or abandonment, unfaithfulness, betrayal. Maybe someone has ridiculed you or called you demeaning names. Maybe you've been the victim of prejudice or injustice. Maybe it's someone close to you in your family, a schoolmate, or maybe a teacher. Maybe you've been wounded by a friend, been wounded by a coworker, or perhaps by a complete stranger. You see, the reality is that wounds happen. They happen in our lives. And as a pastor, I've discovered that every single person has hidden wounds. We all have them. And and as we begin to look into this series, chapter four of living God's way, I, I wanna suggest a couple of questions for us to think about when it comes to our hidden wounds, the painful memories, the painful things in our lives. What if we took seriously the effects that these things actually have on our day-to-day lives? What if we didn't just brush over them and we said, you know, there's something here that needs to be healed? And toughening it out and trying to play macho man or macho girl isn't gonna heal it. What if we took the effects seriously? What if we began to believe that our words and actions have a con- concussive effects on the souls of of ourselves and those around us. What if we acknowledge this morning that we're just not that tough and that our hidden wounds need a time and they need a prescription in order to heal? What if I were to tell you this morning that Peter has a prescription for these hidden wounds? God's word has a prescription to heal these hidden wounds. And we're gonna take a look at that. And as you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open up to 1 Peter chapter four. We're gonna be looking at selected verses beginning with the first verses. But if we're gonna live God's way, we have to understand that salvation means more than just being justified, being made right, although it does mean that. The word salvation actually has in it the word salve. And salve is an ointment that's important for healing. Jesus died not only for your justification, he died for your healing. And it's a process that we're in partnership with him. He's healing us, and if we're gonna be healed and we're gonna live God's way, we need to make sure that we're following his prescription. And so there's four steps on this journey. If you have your notes, I'd encourage you to take them out. Regardless of what hidden hurts you've experienced or you're experiencing now, I wanna give you four steps along this journey that Peter lays out, and the first one is this. If we're gonna heal, we need to first forgive. We need to forgive. Go ahead and write that in. I want you to turn to someone next to you and say, I need to forgive. I need to forgive. I need to forgive. First Peter chapter four, Peter writes, therefore since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. If you have a pen, I would encourage you to circle the two words, same purpose. You see, if we're gonna heal, we need to be on the same journey that Jesus was, and we need to have his same purpose. So circle same purpose. Jesus understands the pain that you're going through. He understands it on a physical level because Jesus suffered Let's just think for a moment the wounds that Jesus suffered. I don't think he ever, we don't have any record of him slipping and falling on a seawall. I think he walked on the water, actually, if I remember right. He would have probably been a much better candidate uh, than myself. Um, But Jesus, he did have physical wounds. He had nails driven into his hands and feet. He He had scars opened up on his back with bits of glass and steel. He had a spear stuck into his side and he had a crown of thorns stuck on his head. Jesus experienced extreme physical pain. But Jesus also had hidden wounds. Think about this with me for a moment. We know that he was betrayed by his friends. We know that he was rejected by his own family. He was hated by society and the church of his day. Jesus has been where you have been. What you've experienced, Jesus too has experienced. He's been there. He can relate. Your your neighbor, your spouse, your children may not be able to relate, but Jesus can relate to the pain that you've been through. He understands it. Recently I was talking with someone in our church uh, who's been a long time part of the Celebrate family. They first came to Celebrate here as part of a gambling addiction. And this was their step, getting back to healing. And I asked her this question because I thought I knew the answer. I said, what was your first step in healing? We were talking about healing and I had an idea in my mind of what she was gonna say and when I asked her, she said something I didn't quite expect. I said, what was the first step in healing? She responded by saying, the healing started when I realized that I was not the only one who was hurting in this way. You see, healing for us begins when we know that we're not alone. That healing comes when we say, you know what, I'm not the only one. And the reality is, you're not alone, Jesus understands. If you're going to move, and you might be asking, where is this going? Well, if you're gonna forgive, you need to first understand that you're not alone. You're not the only one. So many times, unforgiveness lives in the place where you say, you know, no one understands. I'm the only one that's experienced, but we're to have the same purpose that Jesus had, and what did Jesus say from the cross to the people that had hung him up? What did he say? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. You see, the healing journey for Jesus and for us began on the cross with forgiveness. Jesus didn't have to forgive. Jesus could have blown them away. He could have taken them all out. He could have stopped the whole thing, but instead, he chose the strongest position that you can choose in any situation you're in to say, I forgive you, I forgive you. It's the strongest statement you can ever make, and we must do the same if we're gonna heal. It begins with forgiveness. You you might be saying, but but pastor, you don't know what I've been through. I've been through some tough stuff. You might be saying that right now, and I, I wanna just share with you, I may not know what you've been through, But as I said, Jesus does, and there's some reasons why we need to consider forgiveness, and I wanna give them to you just real briefly. You can fill these in. Number one, why do we need to forgive? Because God has forgiven you. God has forgiven you, and that's a good enough reason for me. You see, you and I will never have to forgive anybody more than God has already forgiven us. It's just a fact. God has led the way in forgiveness. Here's the second reason you'll need to forgive because you're going to need forgiveness again. (laughs) My wife Dana is here and and, and we were talking last night. I think there's probably a pretty high likelihood that by the end of today, she's going to need express forgiveness to me. Okay, (laughs) It's just part of life. Forgiveness is something that as much as we don't want to sin and as much as we don't want to screw up, how many of you admit that by the end of this week, some of us are going to blow it. Okay, How many, maybe by the end of this message, some of us will. Okay. <laughs> and it's going to happen. We're human, and as much as we don't want to, and as much as God is growing us, we're still going to fall short. We're going to need forgiveness again. A man once told John Wesley, he came to him and said, I could never forgive this man for what he's done to me. John Wesley paused and looked at him and, and said, well, then I hope that you never sin. (laughs) You see, if you say I can't forgive them, what you're saying is I'll never need forgiveness. Pastor Brian led us in a prayer that most of us know and so I want you to participate with me if you will. If you know the words to this prayer, go ahead and jump in. Um, Forgive us our trespasses as we Okay, for, for those of you that checked out for a second, think about what you just prayed. You're literally saying, God, please forgive me just like I forgive those who have hurt me. It's kind of a crazy prayer. I think it's interesting that Jesus taught his disciples to pray that way. I think it's an opportunity for us to be reminded of the importance of forgiveness. We're gonna need forgiveness again. Here's the third one. We need to release the beast of bitterness. Bitterness is an absolute beast. We need to release it. You see, bitterness is the only way, or excuse me, releasing bitterness is the only way to prevent the pain of the past from having power in the present. It's the only way. You have to let it go. You have to let it go for your own sake, you gotta let go of it. Whatever it is, you need to let go for your sake. I'm gonna share with you another story, and, and as I share this story, I want you to know that it, it's, it's a difficult story to share, but the reason I'm sharing it is to illustrate to you in real time, in real life, what forgiveness can do. There, there's a lady in our church, she's recently started coming. She's been through quite a journey of abuse, of addiction, and she is conquering in life, she is walking with Jesus and she is moving forward. And part of her story is this, when she was eight years old, she was raped by a stranger in her own home. As a young girl, she didn't know how to deal with this, no idea of how to, how to deal with it. As a young girl, she cried out to God, she cried out to members of her family. One member of her family looked at her and said, how could you let this happen? How could you let him do it to you? This is the world that she's living in. And so as she grows, she has this cloud of of, of hurt, of unimaginable, I, I can't even begin to imagine what that must have been like. But I want you to catch this. She's in a life group. She's in a group Bible study with some women. As she's gotten now married, she's moving on with adulthood in this group one of the ladies, as she was sharing about her hurt and sharing about her struggle, one of the ladies had the courage to say, you need to release this person. You need to forgive them. <laughs> and the lady said, well, that sounds great, but you don't know what he did. And she said, it doesn't matter what he did. It matters what Jesus did. And so she walked through a prayer. This lady walked her through a prayer and, and, and asked her to envision that place where that it happened and to picture Jesus holding her Protecting her and healing her. And in that moment, Judy tells me, she says that she received a complete healing from God. God healed her when she released the bitterness and she released it. And it was a few years later, she was at the Sioux Empire Fair and she's walking down the midway and almost like God is showing her the importance of forgiveness, she sees this person for only the second time in her life the person that perpetrated against her, she sees him. And instantly in her heart, what went out was empathy for this person. She had no bitterness and no unforgiveness in her heart because God had healed that. God had healed it. Now, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I don't haven't walked that journey. It's not my journey, but maybe it's your journey. You see, the key for Judy to move forward was forgiveness. Here's what Hebrews says in chapter 12. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Resentment always hurts you more than it hurts the person who hurt you. We have to let go. If we're gonna begin to heal the hidden wounds in our lives, we need to begin to not allow the past pain or past people to have power in our present We need to forgive, and here's the second key. You might want to write this in, it's we need to focus. We need to focus. Peter writes, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men. We're changing our focus now from the flesh to the spirit, but for the will of God. See, if we're gonna focus, we need to get our attention off ourselves, off our hurts, and we need to get our attention and focus on God. It's a choice, it's a mental shift that we have to make. We get stuck so often in the woe is me mindset. You, you don't know, it's, it's so terrible, my pain, and this is the mindset that so many people live in. I want you to listen, this is so important. We need to focus on our healer, not our hurt. If we're gonna be healed, if we're gonna experience healing, we have to focus on the healer. Somehow, way, God is going to take those painful experiences those hurts, those hidden wounds, and he's going to restore them and heal them for his glory. I'm so thankful for Pastor Monty last week as he shared about the hope that we get to share. The Bible doesn't say that we're supposed to share our hurts. It says we're supposed to give reason. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope you have, not the hurt you have. Because the hurt you have, although they're not all the same, we all have them. We, we need to share our hope. God knows our hurts. He's with us. Uh, David writes in Psalm 56, he says, you God know how troubled I am. I have kept, you have kept a record of my tears. Our pain, our hurts matter to God. He feels it and he wants to help us. We, We don't need to help God out and settle the score. God doesn't need our help. God is a God of justice and nothing gets past his justice. If you're here today and you have been hurt or you've been victimized, similar to my friend, trust me, God is in the business of bringing people to justice who victimize innocent people. And he's put in our world, he's put authorities and powers in place that bring people to justice. And so we're not not saying if you've been hurt by someone that you need to forgive them and, and, and no, you need to advocate You need to pray, you need to give it to God and put it in his hands. You need to speak up for those that can't speak up for themselves. But nothing gets past God's justice. Listen to what Isaiah writes. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. We need to forgive, we need to focus, and thirdly, we need to forge ahead. We need to forge ahead. The author of Job writes it this way, he says, put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again, firm and courageous, then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. It's what Peter's saying. Peter's saying, put your heart right, forgive. Then reach out to God, get your focus on, and then face the world again, be courageous. You've probably heard that courage isn't the absence of fear, it's the willingness to move ahead in spite of the fears. Peter is saying move ahead, forge ahead, get in touch with where you are and get on with your life. I love the words, the famous words of Paul. Here's a guy who knew hurt. In fact, he actually inflicted a lot of hurt. He he has a wounded persona. This is what he writes in chapter three of Philippians. I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You see, here's the thing that I've discovered is that so many people live their lives in the present paralyzed by the past. They're shackled to what's been done to them or what they've done or or what they've experienced. They say, well, I'll I'll never trust again, I'll never love again, I'll never give it another chance. They stay shackled to their past. And here's the huge fallacy in that thinking when you think that way, you're submitting your will, you're submitting your life to the past. You're submitting to it. You're not submitting to Christ, you're submitting to your crisis. You're not giving your, your surrender to him, you're giving it to the, to the past. And that will get you nowhere. You can't forge ahead when you're in the past. I, I wanna illustrate this with you for a minute. So um, some of you have been sitting for a while. Um, could I invite you, if you're able, to go ahead and stand up for just a moment? Would you do that with me? If you can't, that's, that's okay, I'll, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try this too. So here's what I going to do, it's that season of the year, many of you know, uh, it's, it's one of the scarier seasons, um, it's, it's driver's ed season, okay? <laughs> now, when I lived in Sioux Falls, my wife and I lived in Sioux Falls for 12 years, we were part of Celebrate Church, um, driver's ed season didn't scare me as much because I didn't know who the drivers were. But now that we moved to Brandon, and I have a little bit better idea of who the people are that are going through the driver's ed classes, uh, my level of anxiety rises quite a bit, especially when I see certain students behind the wheel. My prayer life uh, increases, and I make sure that my children are inside. Um, but, it, but it's driver's ed season, right? And so here's what we're going to do. I want to teach you a little bit about driving uh, using the pass. So help, help me one more time, if you would. Let's just turn around, everybody, and face the wall. Okay, so turn around. I'm going to turn around with you. Okay. Now, I want you to think about, we're going to do a, a little mental activity here, so take your hands out in front of you like you're holding onto a steering wheel, okay, is everybody with me? Pretend you're driving, okay, ten and two, and I want you to imagine that you're driving in your car, um, or your cart, and you're heading home today using only your rear view mirror. Okay, I, I can't, you can't look through the windshield. You can only navigate using your rear view mirror, so go ahead, let's try that, okay? Pulling out of the parking lot at Celebrate, one of the most joy-filled places on planet Earth, right? Next to Disneyland. Okay, imagine yourself navigating out onto Sycamore, going north or south, wherever you're going. How many of you have gotten an accident yet? Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, you can turn around now. Okay. Now, that's kind of silly to think about, but the reality is, <laughs> imagine you just kept that sunshade up in the window, okay? Now, could you get home? You're probably not. You're going to do what? You're going to stay in park. You're going to stay in the parking lot. Okay. You're going to spend the rest of your week here because the reality is we can't move forward when we're looking in the rearview mirror. And so many people try to navigate their lives by looking in the rearview mirror instead of looking through the windshield. I got a, t- I got a chance to talk to my friend Corey. Corey gets to drive all over the. there's Corey. Corey, you get to drive wherever you go, and your car goes with you. Corey doesn't have a rear view mirror. I want to live my life like Corey. Windshields wide open. <laughs> you too. <laughs> live it wide open. Don't spend time looking in the past. Forge ahead. I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know where you've been. But what if we started forging ahead and driving forward? I believe that true healing begins only when we start to move forward. And here's the fourth one. And I think this is so important that we catch because it's the reason that we're here today. It's the reason that we talk about life groups. It's the reason we talk about community and being a family. The fourth one is this. If we're gonna heal our hidden wounds, we need to find a support group. We need to find a support group. The fact is, you'll never fully recover by yourself. It's impossible. The Bible says the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We need each other. If our wounds are gonna heal, we need the power of the church. Here's what Galatians 6 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Several weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to Estes Park, Colorado with our youth group and the youth group from Celebrate here in Sioux Falls and Celebrate Yankton and Meadows Church. Over 200 students went out to Estes Park for an unbelievable week of growing in God's word. And, and one of the opportunities that I had to do was to go on a hike with some uh, potentially toxic levels of testosterone. Um, middle school boys, it seems to be, uh, having no idea uh, about some of the limitations that their bodies have. And so uh, it was three middle school boys that wanted to climb this peak and it was a two and a half hour climb and uh, I was a part of that group, I wanted to do it. There was two other counselors and um, my prayer was, God, I just want to get to the top. <laughs> and how many of us have that prayer? I just want to get there, I want to get to the summit. Well, we made it somehow to the top with these, the six of us and of course the middle school, they were trekking all over the place. We made it to top, had a great time up there a great view and we saw some great some great had a had a great time of prayer and encouraging one another and then things got dangerous because as you know if you've ever climbed a mountain or a hill the danger is not on the way up the danger is on the way down because we've lost focus we we seemingly have achieved our goal and now it's all downhill but it's not we're about a fourth of the way down this 14,000 foot mountain about 10 minutes into our walk, and one of our students blows a a knee ligament. Can't put any pressure on it. So he's standing on the side of this hill like this. Okay, now this is the same boy who the day before was in the ER with stitches over his eye. Um, So he's kind of a hurting unit. (laughs) He's, He's kind of a hurting unit, but myself and the two other adult leaders, we realized that we gotta get him down the hill. And so we took turns, Caleb and Jeremy and I took turns carrying Gunner down the hill. And I think about what would have happened if Gunnar's wound hadn't been in the context of a support group. You see, at the beginning of the day, he was ready to conquer it all by himself. He didn't need his counselor slowing him down. Right? But there came a point in time when he needed to reach out and he needed help. And that's what the church is. The law of Christ is this, to love God and love people. God never intended for your hurt to be experienced alone. We're to not live alone. We won't survive alone. We need each other. So I want you right now to turn to somebody and say, I need you. Go ahead, turn to somebody else and say, I need you. Okay, maybe not that person. Sorry about that. See, the fact is you'll never be fully healed unless you're able to share your hurt with someone else. See, secrecy when it comes to our hidden wounds, keeping a secret, that's suicidal thinking. We can't keep it to ourselves. We need to share it if we're gonna be healed. Hidden wounds heal quicker when we have the support of others. Here's what Peter writes in verse nine. He says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Look at the word hospitality. In that word is the word hospital. This church is to be a hospital for healing hidden wounds. That's what the family of God is to be. It's to be a hospital for people's pains. There's nothing like the power of true, caring, loving family to heal a hidden wound. We need that. The writer of Ecclesiastes says this, he says, two people are better than one if one falls down the other is there to help them up. We need each other, that's why we push life groups. That's why we encourage you to get in one. If you're here today and you're not part of a positive, encouraging, supporting life group, I wanna encourage you to take that step today. It might take some courage. Maybe you've been hurt in the past by a group or a person. Maybe you've been down that road, but we need each other, we need to risk, we need to forge ahead and find those relationships. Hebrews 10 says, think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. And let us not neglect our meeting together, but encourage and warn each other, especially now, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. You see, we need each other more today than we ever have. Life is tough, and that's why we need each other. 58 times in the New Testament, the words one another are written. Let me just read a few of them to you. Love one another, care for one another, greet one another, pray for one another, counsel one another, help one another, support one another. Whatever you're going through, whatever hurt, whatever hidden wound you have, you need to understand this, that you're not alone. Jesus has been there. I believe that there's someone in your church family that's walked a similar journey. It just happened. After the five o'clock service last night, there was a person who came with a hurt. This morning at the nine, there was another person with a very similar hurt. Guess what God's doing? He's not left you alone. He's brought you to be part of a church family. It's the mutual ministry of encouraging and edifying one another. That's what the family does. We don't just come here to sit and listen. We come here so that we can heal. It's part of our salvation. It's why the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We're to be a part of the healing process. And so as the team's coming, we're gonna gonna have one more song of worship, but I want you to just take a moment to quietly reflect. Maybe it would be helpful if you closed your eyes and just think about that hidden wound. What's yours? What would it be like if you are willing to take that step that you need to take to experience healing. Would you like to get over it? Then we need to take the first step. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me if you are weary, overburdened, and I will give you rest. Let's pray together. Jesus, we take you at your word. And this morning, I come to you with my hurt. I've got hurts. I've got wounds. I've got painful memories. But Father, I, I come to you because Jesus said we can come. And, and on behalf of everyone that's here, God, we, we come to you now with our hurts. We bring them to you because you can understand. Father, help us to forgive. Help us to follow the the example of Jesus with his same purpose, to express forgiveness, not guilt. Maybe it's somebody we need to forgive that's no longer here or no longer in our lives. Maybe we need to forgive ourselves. We just come to you now. Father, help us to focus on Jesus to give us rest, mental, spiritual, physical, emotional rest. Father, we want to receive that today. Help us to forge ahead as we focus, forge ahead and move forward, not racing ahead of the process, but walking humbly with those that are around us. God, help bring people into our lives that can help us walk. May we be sensitive and listening for those people who you've placed in our lives to help us. We give you thanks in advance, knowing that you are faithful, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. And your word, your promises are true. We give you thanks now, in Jesus.